and welcome to the 14th episode of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia Daydal. We have a good episode. They're all great episodes, to be fair, but today's a good one. Um, when I started the podcast, I knew that I had to get this guy on um, just to hear about his journey and just to hear what he had to say, really. So I was delighted when I found out that he was doing an event here in Dublin this week, that he'd be able to come into the studio. Um, it is, of course, Pat Dively. Um, most of you will know Pat from uh, from Instagram, from YouTube, from all these like little clips of inspirational, motivational speeches that, that he's been doing around the country. Um, a speaker, coach, author, podcaster, um, a jiu-jitsu blue belt, a mountaineer, the list goes on of what he's achieved and, and what he hopes to achieve and how he spends his, his week. Um, so it was amazing to get him on just to talk about his journey from starting out as a personal trainer to not succeeding initially to going back to Galway and then setting up this incredible business and, and this incredible you know health and, and, and wellness motivational speaking platform that he's developed over the years and um, so it was an honor to get him in and to to hear about his story and, and um and to just hear everything that he had to say so i hope you enjoy the 14th episode with pat um and as always any comments any feedback so so important to us so that we know that we're going the right direction so if you're on social media instagram facebook twitter hit us up at the first exchange um, and let us know what you think of the episodes and who you'd like to get get see us get on the show next and um if this is the first time listening to the podcast well there's 13 other good ones so go back to number one and listen through um but listen I, i'll let you enjoy uh the 14th episode of the first exchange with pat Dively. okay episode 14 14 I knew you had to remember there. Pat Tivoli, welcome. What's up? How Thank are you? I'm great. I'm really happy you've invited me. I'm on. so delighted that you were able to come in because I messaged you ages ago and I was like, I have to get you on. But obviously you're not in Dublin yeah. and you're a busy man. So I'm delighted I messaged you this week and I didn't even know you were going to be in Dublin. Yeah, we're in the Gibson tonight. The stars align. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. thanks so for tell having me, me. No problem. What's happening in the Gibson tonight? Uh, I've got a workshop, so I'm running around the country all the time doing these yeah. workshops now. And we are doing that tonight, seven to half nine. So I know you're hopefully going to pop in. Yes, absolutely. I'm delighted to go. And that's what's happening tonight in Dublin. Yeah. So yeah, I came up today, back tonight. Are these kind of events, are they like your main thing now? Is this the kind of what you're just yeah. floating around doing, yeah. like all these talks? And I tell people, I don't know how it happens because yeah. I'm the last person in the world that ever was supposed to be a public speaker. Really? I'm super shy and nervous and introvert by nature. Yeah. And I was in the fitness space for a long time. Yeah. Uh, someone offered me a talk and I was terrified, but I said, I'm going to do it and kind of give it a go. Yeah. And I think I just leaned into it then. And just over the last five years, it's become my main staple. So that's interesting. Oh, it's funny how it goes. It's funny how it goes. And it's funny how somebody that will go to one of your talks or one of your events will probably sit in the crowd and go, God, I wish I could be more like Pat <laughs> and how he's able to like, you know, be a public speaker yeah. and to be this confident person that, you know, you are when you're on stage. Yeah. Talk to me about the first time then that you went to do that. Like, I mean, how, how do you get, obviously your whole kind of thing is like the mind and mindset. So, mm. you know, were you kind of like, right, I'm my own project here and I have to kind of... Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, like I said, I was in fitness. Yeah. And so that was the starting point. And uh, the fitness business grew way quicker than I expected. So I was in Dublin for a while, failed up here, went mm -hmm. back to Galway, tail between my legs. And I started a small fitness class, which became a big fitness class, which yeah. became a gym, which this became a This is the one on the beach, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. when I was researching you yesterday, yeah. I was like... 
okay, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. So it's a, a very interesting story in that you kind of were in Dublin mm. and you were trying to get this whole fitness thing going together and, you know, it's failed essentially and you yeah. have to go back to Galway where you're from. Yeah, I was this young guy with ego and a mm. lot of... Um, a lack of belief in myself, a lack of confidence in myself. And I always thought if other people believe in me, I'll believe in myself mm. eventually. So I came to Dublin from Galway and I had these aspirations. I'm going to become somebody, whatever that yeah. meant. And so I came up here. I was about 18 months trying to get something off the ground, but just wasn't happening. Moved back home Christmas Eve 2011, tail between my legs, uh, emotionally broken, was six months really struggling mentally. Um, working in a pizza shop, which obviously for a fitness guy wasn't ideal. <laughs> and every day you're meeting all the people you grew up with. Yeah. And I had kind of painted this picture that I was doing really well in Dublin. Mm. So people are saying, Pat, what are you doing back here? And I'm saying, oh, career break or yeah. whatever else. So anyway, I started a class and I think going back to it, when I was in Dublin, I was a fitness trainer that stood beside you and counted reps and asked you how your weekend was. When I went through that struggle myself, I said, there's five people in front of me. I want to be the best part of their day and recognize they've got a million other things going on. Mm. Fitness is not about push-ups and broccoli anymore. It's about an escape from whatever else is happening. Yes. And that became the culture. So we had close on 500 clients within a year. And then all my, uh, like our, our uh, generation would have immigrated a lot of them. So mm. people in Australia, Pat, how do I get involved? People in England, how do I get involved? Then I took the programs online and then we had 20,000 clients in five years online. So it was kind of a crazy couple of years. Um, all from the comfort of Galway. This is insane because this is at a time when this whole kind of like, you know, Insta culture, fitness and health, this is way before that. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, you, you yeah. were definitely one of the first, right? I think so. In the, I mean, in the online space, for sure. Mm. It was all through Facebook. I didn't even have a website and I had a couple of thousand customers. So Facebook actually brought me out to California to tell my story at one point. Crazy couple of years. Um, and so through all that, I think I was offered a TEDx talk. Yeah. Well, I did a couple of smaller talks first then TEDx and TEDx just caught wind and it caught um, gave me got me loads of attention. Mm. Then the corporate scene started coming, asking for talks. And I've probably done, I would say, 500 talks over the last Jeez. couple of years. That's insane. For someone yeah. that was like, you know, saying that I could never envision myself to do that. Yeah. To end up then. I mean, t TED Talks, like, I mean, what a huge platform. Yeah. Even if you've nothing good to say, <laughs> what a massive platform <laughs> well, that, to be that, on. Like, how nerve wracking was that? Because you know that no matter who you are, what you have to say, there's an audience ready and waiting, you know? Yeah, it was interesting with that because now that I think of it, I, I had actually done longer talks coming up to TED Talk. I had done one hour, two hours, possibly up to a full day of my yeah. own workshops. And so my mentality for a while was, it's only 10 minutes, it'll be fine. Mm. And then I spoke to a friend a week before and she goes, you must be nervous about 10 minutes. And I was like, it's 10 minutes. And she said, yeah, but if you make a mess up during an eight hour talk, you've got loads of time to pull it back <laughs> on track. If you make a mess up in 10 minutes, you're screwed. <laughs> and anytime someone Googles your name, that's going to be the first thing that comes up. Yes. And I was like, oh, I better rehearse this. <laughs> Great <thing> friends. <laughs> yeah, so I changed my talk, came up with a new talk. Um, but the, the big thing I've learned through speaking and through everything else has just been the idea of practice. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so simple and so obvious, but like, and martial arts has taught me that as well, is we expect ourselves to be good at things that we haven't practiced. Yeah. There's this kind of mentality when we're adults that she's good at that. Like someone could watch you yes. interviewing people and say, oh, wow, she's a natural conversationalist. Mm -hmm. And they don't recognize the hundreds or thousands of interviews you've yeah. done. Um, and so for me, I said, if I want to be good at speaking, I'll do 100 talks in a year, 100 free talks. Mm. And I'll mess them up and I'll, I'll make mistakes and I'll fail and I'll look silly and I'll, I'll look like a beginner and I'll yeah. have big rooms, hopefully at some stage, but I'll also have really small rooms. 
and through those hundred talks, I just, well, I, I got 88 in the end, yeah. three talks. And I had so much experience after that. That's amazing. Like, th- I mean, there's people out there that will be public speakers that probably haven't even done 88 talks in their entire career. Do you know Possibly. what I mean? So that's like massive. But it's interesting that you mentioned that about martial arts and the, the kind of mindset that it gives you. And yeah. that's definitely something because I, I started martial arts like sports late in life. I was 30. I was just turned 30 when I started and you know like it was that thing of like the pre-programming in your head where you're like i'm just not sporty because i was in music i was creative yeah so i'm like oh that's my brain you know i'm just not a sporty person and then i started jiu-jitsu and i was like you know it almost every time someone asked me about it i was nearly ready to cry because i it was you know it just opened up this whole new level of you can actually do anything yeah once you just apply your the proper mindset to it you know everything can be achieved on some level yeah so it's very interesting you know it's the jiu-jitsu thing (laughs) well myself i started jiu-jitsu when i was 15 or 16 so back you're kidding years ago i didn't know that and stopped so i started when i was about 15 i I had a couple of irish judo schools titles and i was doing a lot of judo and then i did jiu-jitsu with uh, mark leonard and those guys i don't know if you know them they were years back what was the name of the gym um, point blank submissions point, oh, way back in the day. Absolutely, was Tom Halpin in Point Blank? Uh, Tom is Shannon. Uh, Tom, oh, no, he, Tim Murphy is, Tim is Point Murphy, Blank. Tim Murphy, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did it when I was a teenager. I went to the States for two summers on a J one visa and trained in San Diego in a gym full time. Wow. And um, yeah, the martial arts got me into the fitness. It was wasn't the other way around. I didn't know that. I thought you started jujitsu after this. Well, here's the thing. I stopped from eighteen up until twenty eight right. to become an adult. And when I look at 18 year old me, if I saw someone in the gym that was mm. good at good at jujitsu, they were a natural. Whereas if I see someone now who's good at jujitsu, I'm like, they've put in more hours than me. And yeah. that's been the biggest mentality shift mm-hmm. for me in yeah. everything, you know. So how did you find your way back to it then? I had chased so many things <clears throat> in my 20s in terms of like I talk about that failure with my business. And when everything goes wrong in your life, you've kind of got something to blame. And mm-hmm. I started chasing things. I said, if I get a house, I'll be happy and a car, mm. I'll be happy. And I, like, I'll be happy when was always my, my kind of yeah. fill in the blank. And I got everything that I wanted. Mm. I thought I wanted. So I was 26, 27, really busy with work. Things going really well from the outside looking in. Had it all, I suppose, um, compared to where I was. Yeah. But I still felt kind of empty and I just felt anxious and I felt what's next. I mm. felt like I, I, I don't feel happy day to day. And I just recognized I wasn't doing things for myself every day that I enjoyed. I was kind of pushing forward until I hit my next goal and then I'll be content. And so jujitsu was something I said, I'm going to go back and just do something for myself. I took up jujitsu at that point, meditation, Wim Hof breathing, just a few kind of practices where I said, rather than wait a week or a month or till my next holiday Mm. to relax, I can relax and I can also work every day. So I went back, joined Shaolin MMA down in Galway. I knew my mentality is kind of all or nothing usually. So I'll go like six days a week. And at that point, I said, if I if I commit to six days yeah. and I do three or four, I'm going to feel like a failure. So I right. said, I'm just going to start with two to three. And pretty quickly that gave me confidence. And then, yeah, three years on now, I suppose. No way. So, so you, now it's six days a week. I love it. I'm and are you it. doing gi or no gi? Both, or both? Both, both, both. Oh, I love it. Do you have a preference? Um, You know, Shaolin MMA is a lot of young guys. Yeah, so, so, so no gi? Uh, they like the no gi and it's good for me to, to get to you like um, to slow them down with the gi yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be telling them you don't recover as quick when you're 31 and they yeah. <laughs> it's funny when I was 20 and 30 year olds would tell me you're a bit slower recovering I was like ah give it another one you know yeah yeah but yeah it's different it's funny isn't it like it's a different ball game like when you're in your 30s you think you're invincible and then you hit 30 you're like oh actually I'm not yeah. when you're 31 now 
31, 32 yeah. in October, yeah, yeah. No way, are you, what, are you a Scorpio? Yeah. Oh, interesting. We, we love that, we love, <laughs> we love star signs on this show. Okay. I'm going to start doing an, an off podcast with Shane that's going to be like horoscopes and all about you. Um, so that's, that's like really cool. And what belt are you in jiu-jitsu? Uh, I have four stripes on blue now, so getting there slowly. Me too. <laughs> race you, race you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the, it's about the destination or it's not yeah, the, the it's oh. about the journey right um what was i going to ask you but when i was um you know reading up about you and like your story and everything one thing that struck me um i think maybe because it kind of resonated with me a little bit was when you're saying about how you know you had this plan that you'd set out for yourself in dublin and then it had ultimately failed and you had to go home and i think i watched your the clip of you on the late late show and you were talking about your parents and your dad in particular about, you know, having to go back and feeling like a failure mm. and embarrassed and, you know, shame and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was it kind of struck me that it's like, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves and maybe it's not pressure, but we put so much on our, the opinion of our parents. Yeah. And I want you to talk to me about that because a lot of people, no matter what their profession is or whether it's college or school or, or a career, they always have, and I certainly have that thing of like, you know, I still want to make my parents proud. Yeah. Even though I know I'm, I'm making them proud and sure. I'm, I'm making myself proud, but we still have that kind of, you know, thing in our psyche. So explain to me about that. Uh, for me, yeah, it's something I recognized in recent years that like a lot of my behaviors throughout my life have been call outs for my dad to tell him tell me he loves me or he's proud of me yeah and i always had this picture in my mind that <clears throat> when you get a hug and someone says to you i love you or i'm proud of you that's the only way you can show love and pride yeah and so i would chase all these things and all these things and all these things and be crying out for his attention mm. like a kid and he's there for me all the time and he's always been there and he's always supported me and stuff like that um, and it's only in recent years that I've been able to like have a different perspective and say, well, he showed me love when he supported me in school and helped me yeah. with grinds and like the millions of different ways he showed love. So it's a big thing I talk about in seminars now is a lot of stress in life comes from thinking everything has to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. So people think love has to be love. I love you and a hug. People think success has to be X, Y and Z. People think like a story on that that I tell about success, for example, and this goes back to me when I was 24 and I failed, quote unquote. I had a lady at a seminar a year ago and she was, um, she said she'd gone through a breakup of her marriage, lost her house and the bank took her business. So everything went Fuck. the wrong way. Yeah. And she said, I had to channel my energy somewhere. So I signed up to an Ironman triathlon, which is 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. And I said, how did it go for you? And she said, I was really disappointed. And I said, did you get injured or what happened? She said, no, I finished it, but it mm. took me 16 hours, 15 minutes. And my intention was to do it in 16. Mm. And I thought we all do that to ourselves because we make it such a small kind of this is success and it has to be this. And if it's anything other than that, I feel like a failure. Mm. And that's one of the reasons we kick our asses so much. And it's the same with love and it's the same with like trying to get our parents approval. Our parents show approval in a lot of different ways, but we've decided how it has to look. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be certain words or it has to be a certain way of saying things. Uh, you know, I've told stories this week in the seminars where clients have rang me since and said, my dad died five years ago, but only after the seminar have I seen 10 different ways that he showed me how much he loved me. Maybe he didn't use the words, mm. but I've got a wider kind of picture of what that looks like. So for me at 24, I just talk kind of... Talk and getting Me talking waffle. But Shit. When I was that's powerful though. That's a, power, yeah. that's a really powerful statement. The stories we tell ourselves, that's why I got into the mindset stuff. Um, 
the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and about the world yeah. are everything because um, how I feel about myself is the most important thing in the world and how I work on myself and how I see the relationships in my life. Mm. And we all try to change other people and other things and we try to change our scenario rather than change our outlook. Yeah. Um, it just carries so much weight. You know, if, if someone has that breakthrough of recognizing how their parents have shown love or support or guidance or how they've succeeded rather than failed, that means a lot more than any amount of money or mm-hmm. that means a lot more than any tactic or tool or strategy you've got yeah. in a seminar. So that's what I'm trying to do. Did you ever have a conversation where they said to you, you know, this isn't going to work or this oh, isn't <laughs> who my parents my mother oh, yeah. still says it to me you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. like she's like how are you going to like what about this and like it's all good mom I was like it's going to work out you know yeah. and then something will happen where I'll get like a big gig or something she's sure. like oh my god it's brilliant you know well, or, well the fitness thing for years I came into it before you could really make a career out of it yeah. so I was told for years it's not going to work. And that's what mm. made that so hard coming home at Christmas and having to move back in with my parents at 24 because yeah. everyone that was right. That is so young though, Pat. Yeah, I didn't like, recognize it at the time. When I was 24. I know. And now I say it to people. You know what I mean? I'll like, ask, you know, in audiences, I say, who's 24 in the room? And everyone, <laughs> people put up their hand. I'm like, don't worry about getting yeah, your shit together. Yeah, 10 years ago I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, don't worry about getting your shit together. Um, yeah, they told me every step of the way, you know, they wanted it to work, but they said yeah. it's not going to work. So they had always said, maybe consider physiotherapy, get to work with mm. people in the similar capacity but you'll actually make some money and be secure and then when I got into this mindset stuff because everyone's a mindset coach now yes uh, they are you know I did Does a ri- that frustrate you no look everyone can do their thing and and you know I don't really I did a radio interview during the week and I was introed by saying I'm the guy said I'm skeptical about people like you and I thought oh geez here we go and he said sell yourself to me and I said I'm not here to sell myself to anyone you know look at the stuff if you like it come along there's a lot of free content yeah. online but um yeah so he he would have rather see me stay in fitness yeah. than move into this yeah. stuff but now my dad's from an accountancy background so now okay. I work with all the accountancy firms in Dublin and he's like he, he just doesn't get it he's scratching his head or he'll say to me my friend went to your seminar my friend's a fairly normal person usually <laughs> <laughs> cheers dad brilliant <laughs> parents yeah, yeah, yeah. Irish parents Irish parents that's it but you know it's funny sometimes people ask about like how do I deal with negative people or perceived negative people yeah and one of the things I recognized is like I do mountaineering. That's another hobby. So mm-hmm. I'll go climb a mountain for 28 days. My dad's a conservative guy and he yeah. cares about his son. He doesn't want him to get hurt. Of course. Yeah. So if I go to my dad and I say, dad, I'm climbing a mountain for 28 days. That's 7,000 meters high. Mm. And I expect him to be a positive in his reaction. It's not him being negative. Yeah. So like, yeah. that's a tip for people. If you're dealing with negative people, don't go to the person who you know is going to give you a negative reaction. Yeah. Leave it be. Absolutely. That's good <laughs> advice. As many. I, that actually reminds me of a, a time when I broke my ankle doing jujitsu. Um, the first thing when I rang my mom, obviously she was like, you know, are you okay and concerned and everything? And she was like, well, you can't go back to do that. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I, I'm saying to the doctors, like, when can I go back? Like, when does this cast get off and get me back? You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so it's really interesting. But what I want to ask you as well is that, you know, you obviously have a lot of people that come to you for you know, direction or guidance or just to get some some inspiration or clarity on themselves or their careers or whatever it might be. And I wanted to know, you know, because obviously when I look at you, when I listen to you talk, you give the impression, you probably are, you know, very obviously focus driven, all these great things and, and a strong mind. But is there anything that you fear? You know, like, is there is there anything kind of blockages in your way that stop you from being the person that you want to be? 
I have self-doubt all the time. Um, yeah, I have self-doubt. That's probably the main thing I would say that comes up for me. Where, where does it come up? What areas does it come up for you? Is it like after you do a talk where you doubt whether it was good or is it when you try to, you know, think about something new and you're like, right, maybe I'll give that a try. Like, where does it show up for you? I would say it can come up at random times. We did a talk in the Middle East a couple of months ago and that was kind of, you know, I found my comfort zone in Ireland because I know my stories will resonate here and I know mm. people connect with them. But then we went out to America for a few talks and we went to Qatar and Amazing. suddenly, but suddenly it's like, these people aren't going to relate to me, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. what do I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a guy from Galway. How am I going to do anything different here? Yeah. Or, or the self-doubt is, look, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm none of those things. And people are quick to remind you of that if it yeah. suits them. Um, so yeah, self-doubt here and there, I think is the main thing that comes up for me. Um, I struggled with anxiety since I was a teenager. So mm. that rears its ugly head at times. How do you um, deal with that when that with your anxiety when it shows up? Big thing I've recognized in myself for years was I'd wait till the anxiety came and then I'd go into damage control and then I'd start meditating and then I'd start journaling and doing all these mm. self-care practices. And when I'd come out the far side of the anxiety, I'd say, oh, I'm good now. It's not going to happen again. And then <laughs> six, six months down the line. So I'd say to people, like, if someone loses 10 stone in weight through drinking water and eating healthy. Yeah. The guy keep drinking the water and eating healthy to maintain the results. Mm -hmm. So my strategy for anxiety now is just to look after myself consistently. Um, just keep an eye on my calendar. If there's a really busy period, mm -hmm. go and decompress after like you're, you're not a robot. You've got to yeah. decompress the computer. And um, I also say, look, I still struggle with it and it comes up every couple of months, regardless of what I do. Mm -hmm. But I bounce back a little bit quicker now. And that's yeah. all I can hope for is um, but that's all I do hope for, you know, yeah. um, there's no magic pills or, or potions or exercises. Yeah. But resilience is bouncing back a bit quicker all the time, I think. Absolutely. Because I think like a lot of people think when somebody is, you know, in a position like you are and, and that talks about the things that you do, that you're kind of bulletproof and that like, oh, well, that doesn't happen to Pat Dively, you know, or he doesn't have these feelings that I feel. And that's kind of something that I always like to highlight, especially on the podcast or with my work with Fight Connect TV is like that, you know, we're all the same. Like we're all on an even play. We're all born on an even playing field. You know, some of us are maybe a little bit behind in terms of like culture or, you know, class or whatever it is. But we are all the same. We all have, you know, an equal amount of opportunity to achieve whatever it is yeah. that that you want to achieve in life right I, I put up a post yesterday i'm paraphrasing because i can't remember exactly but it was a quote something to the effect of what is personal is universal and what it meant was the stuff you hold as close as possible to your heart mm. the good and the bad if you want to call it bad is the stuff that everybody feels so my experience with the speaking particularly the tedx talk a couple of years ago i got some confidence from that because that was me being vulnerable and almost crying on stage yeah. and a lot of people seen that and there's two ways that could have gone mm. as a man it could have been you're not supposed to cry and don't ever do that again but people connected with it and every type like professional athletes were contacting me to families were contacting me to priests were contacting me saying I'm going through a rough patch and that meant something mm. and it just made me very aware that the stuff we try to hide and the mask we try to wear and, and the self-doubt and the fear and the anxiety and the overwhelm and the worry and the I'm not good enough and the I'll be happy when yeah the more I feel that the more everybody's experiencing it mm. so stuff we try to hide that is most universal and um, I think that's important to, to know what was the point like uh, can you remember what it was in that that almost had you on the verge of tears. Like, where was your mind at? Was it 
you know, remembering the story, the fact of how far you would come, the environment, like what, what was it? I think I told the story a lot of times um, to the point that I could probably rhyme it off at mm-hmm. that time. But I wanted to connect with it that day and remember where I had come from and remember where I was, you know, not long before that. Because that's my other experience with anxiety and it's a struggle with mental health is when you're in the midst of it. Mm. And for me, at least when I'm when I'm going through struggle and then when I'm out of the struggle, it's like two different people. Yeah. And when I'm in the struggle, I'm not really in a position to help other people because I need to help myself. But then when yeah. I come out the other side, I don't remember how bad it was when I was there. So that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of. um yeah, it's an interesting one. So I think I really connected with who I was. And I also had like compassion for myself. And mm. I had, as you say, I was only 24. And we're very difficult with ourselves. We're very hard on ourselves all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I was up there thinking, geez, you shouldn't have been so hard on yourself. You know, you shouldn't have been. I just know the way I was talking to myself mm. in my head. and know how hard yeah. I was on myself. And I thought, geez, like, give the guy a chance. He, mm. was, he was struggling, you know. So I think that's what I felt in that time. But it was cool there's an interesting word that you use there in that that's vulnerability and that's one of my worst words like i it gives me a chemical reaction when i even say it it's something that i've learned like vulnerability has my understanding of vulnerability was is not what vulnerability is basically i always compared vulnerability to weakness Mm. but it's only when you start to be vulnerable and put yourself in that position of being vulnerable and open and honest and and in that place of fear it's when you actually do it sounds so cliche but it's like it's when the magic happens you know what I mean like and it's what you need or where you need to be for the growth to to happen to, to to progress as a a human you know yeah I think we're seeing like different levels of vulnerability now and I, sh- I shouldn't knock on anyone. It's not a knock on anyone. But like one of the big things now is like the body positivity where people are putting up posts where mm. they feel like I don't look my best and this is my post. And I think sometimes that's like choreographed vulnerability. Like it suits to be vulnerable in one area because yes. I'll get I'll get attention for doing that. Yes. And I, I hope it doesn't come across bad, but I think we need to all be intentional in like what we do, because I know for myself, I did a huge amount of charity work when I started my business. But looking back, I can be honest and say a lot of that was ego driven. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make loads of money because people will think I'm a great person. Yeah. And equally, there was other projects that I was really passionate about that meant something to me. So, yeah, the true vulnerability piece is, you know, there's certain things we don't like about ourselves that we want to hide completely. And then there's other bits where like, I'm okay with putting a bit of that out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's different. There's different. (laughs) And same for me. Look, there's certain areas where. But when you look back on that time period for yourself, you know, do you kind of say, well, you know, there's a really great Maya Angelou quote, which is when you know better, you do better. So at the time, maybe you're you're doing something where you don't really realize that it is ego or it's for yourself or it's for maybe the wrong reasons. Yeah. It's only in hindsight when you look back and you go, hmm, maybe at that time that wasn't, you know, the, the, the purest thing to do or whatever yeah. it might be. Well, I look back and I'm like, look, we raised a lot of money yeah, for charity. Did, we we had a good time doing it. It's you know, not like, bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's just, uh, yeah, I suppose intention is everything just for yourself going forward, for myself going forward. It's kind of like, right, what is my intention behind what I'm doing? And that could be anything from putting up a post to, um, you know, what I'm sharing in a talk. Yeah. Am I doing this for myself or am I doing this like for everyone? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just I think it's good to check in with that consistently and, and everything else. Um, 
but yeah, look, we all do the best with where we are. And that's Absolutely. an important message too. Yeah. You know, when, yeah. when, when you do motivational talks or whatever you're going to call what I do, I don't know what I do. I tell people that straight off the bat. This is not a motivational talk. Everybody here is doing their best. Yeah. And it's a slap in the face to tell anyone they're not. And we're all in different positions. And some of us have ups and some of us have downs. And mm. this is more about bringing some people together. Take a bit of time for yourself. Press pause. Bring some awareness to what you're currently doing. Take yeah. a couple of exercises. Meet some cool people. And... Uh, do you feel like a bit of a facilitator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I'm trying to do. Mm. The The difference between a coach and a mentor is um, a mentor is like uh, a bus driver. So you get on the bus and they've got their own way of doing things and they bring you to a destination. Mm-hmm. Whereas a coach is like a taxi driver where you get in and you tell them the destination, but they let you pick the route to some degree. Mm. So I'm trying to coach people because I'm not going to tell anyone what to do. Um I'm going to ask people to ask themselves questions Yes. because questions mean everything. It's like we've got statements or questions. Statements will close the mind. Questions will open the mind. Mm-hmm. A statement is I don't have any confidence. A question is how could I be 5% more confident? And the difference in those two things is massive. Huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there was a girl at a seminar a few weeks ago, 400 people at this thing. I was just a guest speaker and she wanted to ask a question, got up on the microphone, cried on the microphone and said, I have no confidence. What can I do? And I took a breath and I said, there's 400 people in this room and you're on a microphone and you're being vulnerable. Mm. Everybody else in the room sees a confident girl. Yeah. Because no one else has the cojones to do that. Yes. Um, But you don't see it because your definition of confidence is different. And it's important that we note that is like how I feel internally and comparing that to what I see externally Mm. is a game I can't win because I never see what's going on in anyone else's psyche or emotions or anything else well we see that all the time right where you know god it can be anything just like for example the most common one i can think of is we'll say a breakup between a guy and a girl and the the girl gets her heart broken for whatever reason and her friend is saying like you know it's for the best and she's like i'm never going to meet anyone again you're amazing you you're this you're that and you know in the wider kind of collective of it we never see ourselves as others see ourselves we have this like really warped idea of for the good or for the bad mm. of who we are yeah like what is what is your you know talk to me about that and how can we start to recognize and see you know the beauty or the 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 talent or the skill that other people see in ourselves Oh, God. I'm just going to take some notes here, okay? (laughs) So am I. Um, There's a lot of different parts. I think part of it is like um, a lot of us shut down certain parts of ourselves that we don't think are good enough or we we kind of try to suppress different parts of ourselves and there's certain feelings or there's emotions or there's thoughts that we deem to be good and then there's others that we deem to be bad and we try to push the bad away mm. so I, re- I talked about loneliness recently and I said loneliness was something I experienced for a few months and yeah. my natural reaction is turn on Facebook and scroll the news feed or go mm. out for beers or do something because loneliness doesn't feel nice so I don't want to feel that yes. I think a more positive response is to check in with it and let it be there and see what I can learn from it because yeah. that's me working through something that helps me to own all parts of myself mm. so you think about like how do we accept ourselves? How do we improve the relationship with ourselves? You don't do it by shutting down half of who you are. Mm-hmm. And there's times where it's okay to be lonely because it's a yeah. guidance mechanism. There's times where it's okay to feel a little bit overwhelmed because that's telling you to slow down. These are all just signposts to like how you can live better yeah, yeah, and more aligned to what's right for you. So I think it's that, you know, don't fight parts of yourself. Don't fight with yourself. Yeah. Get be- curious. 
people will listen to this and they'll listen to you um, talking about the events, the fitness, the traveling, the, the jiu-jitsu, mountaineering, everything that you've got going on. And they'll sit back and go, when the hell did Pat Dively get time to be lonely or to experience <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah. Like, where does it show up for you? Um, uh, where does it show up? Like, what is it? Because you're obviously surrounded by so many people you know, all the time, whether it be work or events or... Yeah, yeah. I talked about loneliness on a podcast recently. I was saying there's kind of two sides to it in terms of, I think, getting through it. One is you need to be comfortable on your own is important. Yeah. And that's aloneness versus loneliness. Um, the second bit is having a tribe of people around you. So I've obviously got that in my jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. Yeah. But when you're lonely, I think you can be surrounded by a thousand people and still feel like you're on your own. So yeah. it's, it's just a... Um, it's just disconnecting from the present mm. moment or whatever way you want to put it. So I don't know where it surfaces for me. Maybe when things slow down a bit because mm. I am so busy. Yeah. And then if I'm on my own for a few days or even if I'm with people and, and there's nothing to do. Yeah. Or I don't have as busy a schedule because I'm a busy person. And then yeah. when things get quieter. Yeah. That's maybe it surfaces then. Me. It's like yeah. I'm addicted to the schedule. Addicted to the chaos of like I'm going from here to there. And people always say to me, you know how do you do like where do you get the energy i'm like oh i love it yeah but uh, my struggle is when i've been really busy for weeks on end and i'm surrounded by people and then it just stops yeah 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 and i'm like right well i'll go to I, i'm kind of a creature of habit so i like schedule i like knowing where i'm going to be i like saying like 10.02 i'm going to be here and then 11.55 i'll be here Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> i don't always stick to it i just like to know it and then i show up at our late no don't but um then when it drops off and i'm like shit like what am I going to do? Right, well, I'll go to jiu-jitsu. Maybe I'll go for dinner with someone or, you know, I'll do something. But I can't, it's, then a couple of days later, I'm like, I have that little thing inside me that's like, right, what's next? Like, w like where am I going next? And that's something that I, it's a trigger for me where I'm like, okay. Yeah. And it's like, I don't punish myself, but I say to myself, right, well, now you're not going to do anything. Now you're going to sit at home sure. and you're going to meditate for seven hours. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I know that it's, I don't like that feeling of wanting to go and just enjoy this moment that's happening you know well, going back to the intention thing that i was saying about like mm. what is your intention with things for me there's times like i was really busy in my 20s mm. and i think i was running away from certain things i didn't want to handle yeah. and, and stuff i didn't want to acknowledge and stuff i, I wasn't comfortable in so it was easier mm. to be busy and so then i took it handy for a few years and now i'm back on things are kind of busy again now and i just need to check in all the time am mm. i busy because i'm filling my life with things i really enjoy and because it's fun yeah or am i busy to distract myself from stuff that i don't want to deal with mm. and i think it's the first one i think i'm you know i've got a full life with things that i really like doing now yeah but i always have to check back in with that because it's easy everyone can be busy that's easy yeah um being on your own is hard sometimes mm. yeah yeah. yeah do you ever worry about it be well not worry but do you ever think about like if it ended tomorrow you know what i mean that's something that i Again, I kind of struggle with in that I love what I do so much that yeah. it would make me really sad to not do it anymore. And then I always question that of like, you know, where is that space that I'm thinking about? You know, like if it did stop, like, am I am I thinking like that because it's my ego that enjoys being kind of connected with people or. But if it stopped tomorrow, you know, where would your head be at? Um... What if I wasn't doing any of the stuff I'm doing yeah, now? Yeah, it just ended. Just yeah. say in the morning, there's nobody wants anything to do with Pat Davidy in the morning. Oh, I wouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just go live in I'd like to confirm that uh, Pat I, will be here tomorrow I, and next week I in would, the country. Uh, I would sell my house, get a camper van, keep doing jujitsu, climb a few mountains, do a bit of surfing. 
Do you think over time that you'd be like have an itch to to get back in to do something to to start building something back up oh, again? Oh yeah, no, I would start straight over again. I'd do the exact same thing again with the speaking stuff. Yeah. I, I would get back into this stuff again. Um, I don't care how many people's in the room. Like mm. I don't care how many people's at my my seminar. The more the better. But I mean, yeah, it could be five people at a seminar and I'm happy because this is the same thing I'm doing. Mm. Or I don't care what belt I am in jiu-jitsu. Hopefully someday I'm a black belt. But my yeah. life five years from now is going to be the exact same. Please God as it is now. Yeah. Seminars that are hopefully a little bit bigger. Jiu-jitsu where I'm hopefully a little bit better. Surfing <laughs> where I'm hopefully standing up on the board a little bit more. Um, I don't see much changing. I hope. Yeah. Um, so I'm not chasing anything anymore. I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. And I think when you enjoy what you're doing and you keep doing it, hopefully you get better. If yeah. there's something wrong. Absolutely. Do you recognize the impact that you have on people that you meet, people that, you know, listen to your podcast or come to the event? Like, do you ever sit back and, you know, take on board that you've had some kind of impact on them you know it, no matter if it, you know you could have someone that's like i'm gonna start that business or get totally inspired or it might be someone who just takes on a tiny little challenge or improves their life in some way but do you ever sit back and kind of reflect on it um i probably should a bit more because i i think a few years ago i sort of said to myself i get caught up in the negative if people say negative things i let that yeah. occupy a lot of my headspace yeah, but i don't yeah, acknowledge yeah. the positive and i thought maybe i should just <clears throat> Maybe I should just be content in what I'm doing and, and yeah. let, let go of both and mm -hmm. not, you know, not let the good stuff get to your head or yeah, the bad stuff get yeah, to your heart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, this week alone, I had a priest come to a seminar that messaged me and say he was completely lost and it had really helped him. I had a family of four come yesterday where the young lad had been through a lot of mental health struggle and his family amazing. came with him to support oh, that's them. That's so nice. Yeah. That in itself is massive. It's cool. Right? Yeah, you know, that's really cool. The young men stuff, particularly like I just see myself in the teenagers that come into the seminars and mm. I see my parents and the parents that come with them where they don't know how to handle the kid who's lost and confused and angry at the world yes. and, and all this stuff. Um, so if I can be some kind of voice that they resonate with, yeah. um, that's great for me. It, it's rewarding to think I'm helping the parents. Mm. And I said it to my parents a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I'm sorry, I was such an asshole when I was a teenager because yeah. we all were. And uh, two hands being held up here from yeah, me. Yeah, I met, totally. I met parents recently and, uh, and um, they were talking about their son. And yeah. I stopped them. I said, look, we were all like that when we were teenagers, yeah. to be fair. And the parents were like, yeah, true. <laughs> do you think that they just forget? I think you think that when you be, you, do you have kids? No. Do you think that like when you become a parent that you just kind of become disconnected and detached from like remembering what life was like? Because yeah. it, it, I know I'm laughing, but it is something that's really serious. You know, obviously men, young teens, young adults, males in particular, their mental health is, is a topic of many conversations mm. that we're having at the moment and you know I'm always so fascinated and trying to figure out like you know what can be done how can we help like what can be implemented because I think as women it's kind of obviously we have that thing of like the natural talking natural kind of you know wanting to you know get the opinion of friends or mm -hmm. to if something goes wrong oh I have to ring the girls and there's like weeks or ends of discussion about like something that's gone wrong or gone right men don't really seem to have that in my opinion, I yeah. don't know. You could, I could be wrong. I'm not a man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's accurate. Um, you know, we talked about earlier, can I accept the emotions and the feelings and the yeah. thoughts that come up and not have to fight them? And I think that's part of it. If, if, if we can all realize that the thoughts or the feelings or the emotions that come up, if I let them come up, it's like a wave that's going to ride through and they'll be gone in a day or a week or a month. And I think when you're in a very low point, when I was in Dublin, I, I got as low as you could get. 
and there was nights mm-hmm. where I would walk for six hours around the city on my own, l- not knowing where to go, just so much n- nervous energy and anxious yeah. energy. And at that time, if, if I had understood that this energy is going to pass and these horrible thoughts are going to pass mm-hmm. and I'll be OK, um, that would have been really powerful for me. So even if people took that message and they mm-hmm. recognized that good times come and go and bad times come and go and it's just the, the ebbs and flows of life and and um my experience of those times looking back was something bad would happen or a thought would come and I'd feel insecure and I'd feel like I wasn't good enough was always the underlying theme in my life and then I'd manifest I'd, I'd just focus in on that and I'd find more mm-hmm. evidence it was true and more evidence it was true and more evidence and then I'd feel worse whatever you focus on gives you a feeling and so my focus was on all my shortcomings and how much of a failure I was and all this kind of stuff mm. and um if I could have accepted where I was, I talk about this, like acceptance is a young lad listening to this who who feels like they're lost in life and, and the, everything's gone wrong and I'm not where I should be. That's the biggest mm. thing. That's the biggest thing which causes suffering. I'm not where I should be. My body doesn't look the way it should look. I don't have the money I should have. I don't have a girlfriend I should have, whatever it is. Um, if you can accept where you are, you can start making moves forward. Mm-hmm. But if you're constantly thinking, I should be over there, you're just shaming yourself. Yes. It's like telling your kid, I always say, look, if you had kids, you don't tell your kid. <laughs> I jokingly say, if your kid comes home from school and said, Sarah said I'm an asshole, you don't turn to your kid and say, it's because you are an asshole. <laughs> you start questioning them and challenging them and yes. you get them to find evidence that it's true. Yeah. But then if I think in my head, oh, Sarah said you're an asshole, I'm like, oh, maybe I am. And I, yeah. I never think to question it. So we don't mm-hmm. think to question our thoughts. Um, if your kid is, you just get practical with your kids. You're like, oh, you want to be good at soccer? Yes. Go out in the garden and play with the ball. Whereas adults were like, I'm not good at this thing yeah. and I should be. And yeah. we don't do anything about it. Yes. Yeah. I think those two things, accept where you are rather than fight with yourself. And mm. don't, don't beat yourself up about it. I am where I am. I'm not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But if I can accept where I am, I can come up with a plan going forward. Stop fighting with myself because mm-hmm. I need to be my, my biggest fan rather than my biggest enemy. And the second thing is the bad stuff, whether it's emotions or feelings or thoughts, Try to treat them as guidance mechanisms that are maybe coming to tell you that something's a bit off. Okay, maybe yeah. maybe you're not in the right job. Start making changes. Um, but everything mm-hmm. passes. This too shall pass. Is like a strong statement. Absolutely, yeah, massive. And it's it's there's something in you know what you're saying and having like a kind of a self awareness. Again, listen to your gut. You know, it's like an age old saying, like the same. This too shall pass. But it it's so true and it resonates so much because you know, your your body, your core sort of knows when something is not right, whether it's a job or a relationship or the way you're, you know, you're not working out or whatever it is, yeah. you know, you have like having a little bit of self-awareness and, and having the time to say something's not right here. It's a little off. Mm. I need to change it. Sometimes people get that they're lucky enough to get that kind of awareness. But then sometimes when they get that step of awareness, it's where to go next and what steps to take, Yeah, you know, I've always been a big proponent of pen and paper yes, and just getting them out. And mm-hmm. if something's not working, explore how you can fix that. Because mm-hmm. my mentality is when stuff is in my head, at least it's madness up there and it just gets very emotional yeah. and very seems like this unsurmountable. Well, hill. you're a Scorpio. You're a deep thinker. Is that you what see? that means? Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know how deep I am now. But, um, but getting stuff on paper for me has always been beneficial and um 
getting very practical with things yeah. if I can. Like, what's the one thing I can do? I find if I get anxiety for a day, I could spend six hours living in this anxiety and just telling myself how overwhelmed I am and it gets mm-hmm. worse and worse and worse and worse. And then the day passes and I see, Jesus, I could have done one little thing at 10 o'clock this morning yeah. that might have got me out of that loop a little bit. Like one step tends to get you moving. Mm-hmm. And that's where the momentum comes from. So for someone who's a little bit lost, I think creating a bit of space for yourself by, by maybe turning off the phone, yeah. We talk about martial arts. We talk about doing things for yourself mm. where you're present. Um, that's how you learn to listen to the voice that, that, that we all have inside of us yeah. is, is turn off the phone, stop letting noise in all the time and let some noise out from, from you know, your gut or whatever it is. Yeah. We all have the answers um, to our own stuff. Absolutely. But we, we rely maybe too much on other people. It's great to have guidance, great to have support, great to have people telling you what you could do or should do or might do. But it's also great to like ask yourself questions. Yeah, definitely. You know, in everything that you've experienced today, the failures, the success, the things that you've learned from, can you remember what the kind of the really big sort of like aha moment was, where you were like, okay, this everything is starting to fall into place, and you know everything just started clicking. Can you remember a, a particular point in your life where it all started coming together, or was it just a slow progress? It's been a couple of things. I think one is, and this is coming back to like, if you're in a low point or whatever point you're at now, when I lived in Dublin and I want to be a successful fitness trainer, I compare myself to other people. So I'd mm-hmm. look around me. I said, most people seem to have a hundred clients. That seems to be the go-to for a gym owner. That's, that's what they're doing. So I said, I want a hundred clients. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any clients and it yeah. never dawned on me to get to a hundred clients. You need five clients first in the same way. It never dawned on me to get your black belt. You need to get your blue belt first. Like yeah. back in the day, it was always <laughs> like jumping ahead. Yeah. It's funny. We had a girl joined the gym a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I saw her join and it was all lads in the group and she's an American, American girl that had come in and I saw her leaving on her own. So I said, I'll give her a lift home and just make sure she had a good time and everything yeah. else. And I was like, how was that? Did you enjoy it? And she's like, oh, I'm so, so proud of myself. I was six, yeah. six months start, thinking about starting and yeah. it was kind of intimidating. I said, make sure you come back now because, mm. you know, it's easy to fall off after one, but you just got to keep coming back. Yeah. Um, and she disappeared. And haven't seen her since. So I messaged her on Instagram. I'm like, where have you been? And she said, oh, I'm at home. Uh, I'm just going to practice a bit from home before I join. And I'm like, practicing jujitsu at home is like practicing swimming without a swimming pool. Literally, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's the big thing I learned is start where you are. Yeah. So it's st- you know, it's great to have a goal. But one of the problems with the big goals is you seem so far removed from it. You're like, how mm. do I get there? So to get 100 clients, you need to get your first one. Yeah. To get your black belt, you need to get your first white stripe or your yeah. first class even. So I would break things down. And then my other thing is what you practice, you get better at. So what do you mm. practice in your life? Do you practice calm if you want to be a calm person? Or do you just hope that it's going to appear? Do you practice happiness? And the way you practice happiness is things in your day, every day that you enjoy. Yeah. Not wait until the weekend. Do you practice confidence? The way you practice confidence is you write down the things you're mm-hmm. doing really well every day and not focus on what you're doing wrong. Um, do you practice being social? If you want to be a social person, what's that? That's saying hello to strangers. So mm-hmm. I'd literally decide, like, what do I want to be better at? Yeah. What could I do daily that would make that happen? And then I do it. And the other thing that is important is act in spite of your feelings. So what I mean is most days with jiu-jitsu, as much as I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I, I love jujitsu, but there's yeah. plenty of days where I'm like, I don't want to go. I yeah. don't want to sit on the couch. But I know that the feeling comes after the action. So telling yourself, I'll join the gym when I'm motivated is like, I yeah. don't know what. You'll be motivated after you join the gym. Telling yourself, you'll ask someone out when you get confidence. It's like, where do you think yeah. the confidence is going to come from? Absolutely. All yeah. this stuff comes from inside of you, yeah. but it only comes through action. So action comes first, then the feeling comes. Mm. We see it in a lot of jujitsu gyms, like on walls and stuff, you know, where it's like, the what is it um or maybe it's a meme <laughs> <laughs> it's, <something. laughs> it's so 
something is it you don't have to be you know like oh you don't have to be great to start but you have to yeah. start to be great yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's so true I, you know i'm I mean? a walking uh, encyclopedia <laughs> of positive quotes well it's like but it's even you know like even when we talk about jiu-jitsu you know it's like what i love about it is that there is like every day it's it's progress like it's mm. you know it's kind of for me there's a lot of stuff where I maybe don't see the progress in my life like so rapidly as you will with jiu-jitsu whereas you might someone might show you a technique and you go right show me how to do that and you, you drill it over and over again and then you get it and then you try to get it and roll and you can't get it and then that one day you do get it and you're like shit like and the, just the feeling that you get from that is just so brilliant and so amazing yeah. and you're so proud of yourself yeah. and it's an everyday thing do you know what I mean and, and one of the things that jiu-jitsu uh, taught me was that I love learning and I never loved learning before like I in school I wasn't good in school and I then I kind of went into this creative loop and music and you know that's me that that's the box that I fit into yeah and then with jiu-jitsu you learn that you love learning and that it's fun and that it's like you know with jiu-jitsu and the gym and I don't even know how to explain it properly but it's like there's sort of a metaphor for life in everything that you do in jiu-jitsu it's, it's so like, much there it's crazy there's you know so much there and so with so many people and you probably do as well where people go god fair play to you you're doing that jiu-jitsu years and you know you seem to be like you know you know it was a difference in you since you started it and I'm like just start yeah just try yeah. it out you're gonna love it and especially with the girls you know and, and as you say about that girl who started training with you it's one thing that we have this girls group and it's so important because as soon as someone joins the gym, like get them into the WhatsApp group yeah. so that we can like keep them coming and make them feel that they're connected and they're in this sort of, you know, safe space and it'll get better and they can ask questions and stuff because the drop off rate for women is so high, you know, and, and like especially women, they've kind of some women have a hard time with being that close to maybe men. Sure. Men are bigger and it can be intimidating and it's a very weird situation but I remember when I started and I don't know whether you were the same but I didn't know what I was doing for like the first six months I was just like I was just being a spaz that's all I was, I was just doing like, <laughs> just roll I remember we you know doing drills and stuff like you know and the hip bumps and stuff and I would just be like what am I doing here you know yeah. it was totally at my comfort zone but you can recognize and see the progression so easy and then when you switch on to your mindset you know being that sort of person that are kind of loving to learn and, and loving progressing and stuff it kind of trickles into every part of your life, right? Yeah, I think when people are stuck in one area, they always look at that area. So people that lose passion for their work, mm. maybe after being in the career for 10, 20 years, they think they have to find it there. And I'll say yeah. to them, maybe take up jujitsu. Like I'm always just pushing everyone into <laughs> jujitsu, but maybe find something yeah. you do two, three times a week. And yeah. that, like there's different tick boxes to tick in life. We want to be inspired. We want to be energized. We want to mm. be challenged. But you don't need to be challenged all the time by your work. You could find a different area. And yeah. suddenly then work looks different. Your family look different. Everything looks different. Mm. Do jiu-jitsu and the world's a better <laughs> place. More, the world's a more compassionate place. Jiu-jitsu teaches you about comparison, I think, is a big thing. Like yeah. you could go in and oh wow I had a good round with the black belt there and you do the next mm. round and you ask the guy how long he's been training it's his first session you're like shit I might as well give this thing up yeah. I got about a thousand hours in yeah. the mats and this guy's owning me but, um, but do you find that because one thing that I did want to ask you right was about ego and like you, it, I mean I've just met you you appear to not have you know an ego you I know transcended <laughs> But like for someone that's in your position, like it, it must be very hard or it must be it would be very easy 
for you to adapt a negative ego in, in terms of like we obviously all have an ego to some extent, but to feed into, you know, who you are or to the perception of who you are by all these people that are, you know, paying to come see you and listen to what you want to say and who are holding on to your every word, like as if you can, you know, save, save them in some way or mm. give them some kind of insight that will, you know, fix everything that's wrong in their lives. So how do you, how do you control, you know, the ego? I know I'm a crazy person, so <laughs> I, I tell people that I go, you see me on stage for two hours, you get in a highlight reel, like that's me yeah. and my element. So like, rest assured, yeah. I have all the same issues as everyone else. Um, but do you think jiu-jitsu has helped in regulating it? Because I have a thing that if someone does jiu-jitsu, mm. more often than not, I'm going to get on with them. They're yeah. sound, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's obviously like the minority that are like not like that. But if someone does jiu-jitsu and then I'm like, how long are they trained? They're like, oh, they're a blue belt. They're a perv. I'm like, yeah. no problem. I totally get on with them, you know? I think kind of like the vulnerability thing, my natural inclination is that I'm shy and I'm an introvert and I'm I'm just kind of chilled and I, I, yeah. I'm not into being in the cool crowd. I never was. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe being a fitness guy 10 years ago, I thought that's what I had to be and I had to yeah. hang around with the cool kids up in Dublin. And yeah. now I'm like... I don't want to sit at that table anymore, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and I just recognizing that it's kind of like probably played that game a little bit. I was never, I don't think I was ever, I don't know, he goes a million different things. It isn't is, it? I yeah, mean, yeah. And it shows up so many different places too. Well, right? even someone who's self-conscious, I mean, that's egotistical because yeah, yeah. you're worrying about the self. Yeah. So it's, uh, but in terms of being humble, um, yeah, look, you don't need to be humble to jujitsu. Jujitsu makes you humble. But it, it, I think it, it, it's taught me a lot. The comparison thing is good. Um, the, yeah. the, you know, you have a hard time with a blue belt from a different club and you want to quit jujitsu. And then the next day they get their purple belt. You're like, oh. Ah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's interesting. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you, not on a typical, not on a, on a, on a day where you have an event or something like that, but what does a, a typical day look like for Pat Dibley? I train jiu-jitsu. <laughs> People are like, what's your morning routine? I'm like, I get, wake up when I wake up and I drink some water and have a cold shower. Um, what's a typical... There's genuinely no such thing. It's it's, yeah. it's all over the place. Um, I'm trying to get a sense of, if, is there something that you repeat every day or yeah. is there something that you have to do every day, whether it's like, you know, meditation or mindfulness sure. or reading or, you know. Typical week would be yeah. six jiu-jitsu sessions. Mm-hmm. I, I just love it. Um, I try to surf a rock climb once a week. I look after myself first. And someone had an example recently of a, um, a jigsaw puzzle and all the different pieces. When you put together a jigsaw, you do the outline first. You, you do like all the, the round bits first, uh, the outside of the jigsaw, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And it's kind of the same for me when I plan my week. It's like, do yeah. I look, how do I look after my energy before mm-hmm. I worry about anything else? I meditate every day, either Wim Hof or just yeah. regular meditation. I did a week with Wim Hof maybe two years ago. And that no, really actual well. Wim Hof. Yeah, I was out no in Poland way. with him for a week. Um, I'm quite good mates with his main man. Um, and I, I did a week with him. So... That taught me a lot. That helped me yeah, a lot. Yeah, no So I'll do like 20 minutes of meditation or whim most days. A yeah. little bit of journaling if I can. And then work-wise, it's podcasts or it's corporate work or mm. it's coming up with ideas. A lot of it's brainstorming and just like trying to come up with. I'm a storyteller, really, when I'm in seminars. I'm, yeah. You know, there's only so many principles there, but you want to tell stories that make yeah. people think, ah. Um, so, yeah. 
I don't know. People think I'm busy. I don't think I'm that busy. But that sounds kind of busy, Pass, if you don't uh, mind me saying. Right. Well, work, work-wise, work-wise, I'm probably... I'm not Do you busy. sleep for like an hour and a half every night? Well, I get pl- plenty of sleep. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting because I always like, you know... To me, you're a successful. Do you do you view yourself as successful? Yeah, look, I think success is enjoying you know what you do yeah. day to day. And I, I've again, I only see myself like through my own lens of the world. Yeah, yeah. And I'm daft. I mean, look, a thousand people come to a seminar of mine, mm. and I'm nervous, wondering, do these people know who I am? Yeah. And the guy that works for me is like, what the it fuck just wrong with you? a ticket. Yeah. There was, so, there was someone. It's uh, so interesting, right? Someone, someone years ago, and he's like, like a, there was four hundred up in the Ballsbridge Hotel in Dublin. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And he's like, you should go and talk to a few people. And I was like, oh, they won't want to talk to me. And he's like, they've paid 100 euros to come and see you for eight hours. I'm sure they wouldn't mind a hello. Brilliant. And yeah. it wasn't like, yeah, so I'm, I'm a bit oblivious as to what's going on. But um, Do you enjoy meeting meeting people? Yeah, it's lovely because I used to have the gym. Um, yeah. I owned a gym in Galway. You'd meet 200 people a week. Yeah. And I just... imagine you have to be a people person to have a gym or to run, you know, fitness classes. You can't be a sort of... You know. Yeah, people always said I was quite gentle, so it wasn't yeah. like they, they would see the persona online and think this guy's going to be a drill sergeant <laughs> or whatever else. And then I'd come in and they'd be like, I was kind of surprised how timid you were yeah. and that. But they said yeah. you give a good, good session. But I think meeting 200 people a week from 18 and younger up to 80, there was mm. such a diverse group. And just, it's nice to, it's funny, my friend owns a supplement shop in Galway and he's just put a flotation sa- uh, tank in. Amazing. And I'm so happy. Have you done it? Yeah, a bunch of oh, times. Oh, how cool are they? I'm so excited for him because it goes from someone getting in buying protein powder, which is grand. Yeah. Now he's got people coming in and it's just a good feeling to be bumping mm. into people that you know you're helping in some way. Like these people come now blissed out of their minds. Yes. And they're yes, like, yes, yes, yes. It's just nice for him. I think yeah. that's fulfilling. So in terms of me meeting people, I used to meet 200 people a week that appreciated that I was helping them yeah. get fit. And now it's I'm meeting people you know, pe- uh, the, the online lifestyle looked appealing a couple of years yeah. ago to travel the world and make money online and it works and it's cool. Yeah. But you can't beat human interaction. Yeah. It's really, really important. But do you feel like you, you, a big thing and I, uh, well, I'll ask you about it now because I always, uh, anyone that I have on the show, no matter what background they come from, I always ask them about life purpose and do they believe in life purpose and do they believe that they're fulfilling their life, pur- life purpose? So I want you to answer that for me but before you do, I want you to also, you know, look back on that time period. And do you think that you kind of had to go through the failure, the fitness to kind of lead you on to this journey to to where you are now? You know, and that it's not just a, like you're saying, going from A to Z, there's B, C, D. There's a whole journey that that is yeah. a wealth of experience that goes towards bringing you to where you need to be or where you're meant to be. Yeah, I think... Um... Russell Brand talks about it when he says that if you have mud on your face and you look in a mirror and you rub the mirror trying to get the mud off, it doesn't work. Yeah. And so the secret is turn it back inward and do the work on yourself. So I think with any work that you do, you can only go as deep as you've gone yourself. And so I didn't I didn't know what compassion or empathy was. I didn't know Mm -hmm. what self, you know, genuine self-care was. I didn't know what anger and resentment and shame I didn't know what any of these things were until I went and explored them and I went to psychiatrists and I went to psychologists I went to all these different people counsellors um and I see everything now I'm lucky in the work that I do that everything I do day to day feeds into the work that I do it's like directly related to it um in terms of purpose yeah every step of the way has been I look back and I you know it's like any of us we look back 10 years ago and you kind of throw your eyes up to heaven Mm. as to what you were doing but you were helping someone in some capacity no doubt so um 
my fitness thing brought a lot of people together. My dad still, my dad still wants me to be a fitness trainer. So he said, I met, I met Sarah from up the road. She was telling me her cousin lost five stone with you. Would you not go back doing that? And I'm like, nah, I just bored of the fitness thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that helped people. And, um, yeah, I, I feel on purpose. I feel like I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I, again, I, I struggle with the self-doubt and I wish my purpose was to be getting people working out all the time because yeah. it's very it's very clear cut what that is. Yeah. Whereas what I'm doing is telling stories and hopefully giving people a bit of hope. Absolutely. Well, hope is the key word there, right? I mean, that's what kind of... You can have read as many books as you want. You can listen to as many, you know... Yeah. facilitators or gurus whoever it is yeah. but unless you have hope then like and what is there th- th- i question myself sometimes when there's people in seminars that like have made more money than i'll ever make they have hundreds of people working for them they own ferraris or they're professional athletes or like i say their family or they're mm. four times my age well, not f- maybe not four times my age but a couple <laughs> of times i'm getting old now yeah. they're three times my age <laughs> and i look at them and i think what could i possibly be offering these people but yeah. coming back to that idea of this wave of emotion that happens us all some of those people are in a dip where they're yeah. struggling mm-hmm. and they look to me as someone who's got it figured out and i'll pull them up and then i go home to galway and maybe i go to jiu-jitsu and those yeah. guys pull me up if i'm in a dip mm. And it's just that that's all it is. It's community, yeah. bringing people together. Um, the job is like learn from the people above you and, and try to, you know, have people there f- to yeah. support you and equally do the same for others. And I think that's the circle of life, I suppose. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you say that because even though you are doing all these wonderful things and you have the events, the key word that you use there is like bringing people together. So yeah. like that's where I'm at when people say, when, when I ask myself that question, like, you know, yeah, the podcast and the interviews and stuff like that, there that's all great and I love doing it, but it's the connection. Yeah. It's connecting with someone and like for this, giving someone an opportunity to tell their story and finding out about people and, you know, have someone listen and maybe it triggers something with them or them say, Oh, that's kind of like me and that's what it's about. It's it's the connection that's the core of it, but it just shows up in all these kind of yeah different avenues. Do you know what I mean? I laughed. I went um uh... I was speaking at a bio event, was it three, maybe three weeks ago in Clare? Yeah. So a beautiful hotel down in Clare, um, the Armada. And I had mentioned surfing the week before at an event. So they were all pulling me aside, all the organizers, like, do you want to surf today? Do you want to surf? <laughs> like, oh. We're going to get the camera crew down. No, they were, they were, it was all, the, they were all female speakers. And I felt like I had five mammies that were saying, have no you way. had your breakfast? They were like, have, <laughs> you, have you had your surf yet? Have you had your surf? I don't know what they thought was going to happen if I didn't surf. But they set me up to go out surfing with this 15 year old guy that brought me out one of their sons and I was trying to catch waves trying to catch waves and he's a really good surfer yeah. and I got up on a wave and he goes nice one well done Pat <laughs> and my heart lit up and I was like I'm going to go inspire a couple of hundred people hopefully in an yeah. hour but yeah. this 15 year old's done the same thing for me yes. we all like to be acknowledged and seen yeah. and everything else and um, yeah it's, do you think that ever leaves us? I don't think so because I've 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 met people that I thought had it all figured mm. out and one little sentence or one little word can make them feel seen. And equally, you can see in people's eyes, or you can see in people how they show up yeah. if they're lacking that and if mm. they're feeling a bit lost. Yes. It's very evident, I think, a lot of the time. And it's funny, isn't it? Because again, when people will listen to this and then think about where you are in the world and like the people that you meet and you've met like some of the most successful people in the world, like obviously Richard Branson is probably the biggest name. I don't know, maybe you have other names, but you, when you're meeting all these people who are on paper really successful and I'm not talking about Richard Branson I'm talking about like sure. in the whole sphere of things yeah. um, just so Richard Branson doesn't <laughs> sue me <laughs> but um, 
you know, when you start meeting people who other people perceive to be the definition of success or to have it all, and you see something in them where you go, yeah, but they just don't seem happy or they just don't seem fulfilled or there's like that thing of like looking in someone's eyes and going like there's something missing here. You know, and you kind of want to like run around screaming to everyone. It's not, if you you get the money, if you get the women or the men or the whatever, the looks, it's, that's not it. There's like something more. And when you start start to realize that, then it kind of puts you at a little bit more peace with yourself. Well, it does for me anyway, you know? That was an interesting one. Like in my 20s again was I wanted to meet these people. I wanted to be yeah. really successful. I wanted 10 houses. I wanted all this. Sta- mm. I bought one house and I was like, right, there's enough stress in this. This will do me one house. That's enough fine. to be proud of, let me just say. <laughs> but um, now with seminars, sometimes people are like, what's next for you, Pat? And they're expecting a really inspiring answer. And I'm like, oh, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and they look so disappointed. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, trade yeah. inner peace for like anything. Yes. And not that I'm happy and peaceful all the time, but mm. um I've traveled to seminars all over the world to learn from experts yeah. and I learn from them and then I come back to Galway and I bump into a local business owner or a farmer who's just content yeah. and thinks I'm daft to be going to seminars in the States and yes. they just have a simple life and I'm like, why did I go to America? I've got to just talk to this fellow, it'll yes. be grand. So um, sometimes we're running around the place for something. Have you heard that story about the fisherman and the businessman? you probably heard that. No, I haven't. Okay, so. Please tell me. <laughs> Mess it up now. Um, I'd like two different kind of voices too, so I can like distinguish <laughs> who's the fisherman. <laughs> so does that. There's an American businessman goes to Brazil on his holidays and he's with his family and this guy's like switched on all the time. Yeah. Um, he can't, he's an overachiever, owns a lot of property and all this kind of stuff. So he goes to Brazil, his family's chilling out mm-hmm. um, they sleep in, but he gets up early in the morning and he's walking down the beach and a fisherman comes in from the local town and he's got a boat full of fish and the American guy is taken aback by this. It's amazing yeah. you've got that many fish this early in the morning. And he says, what will you do now? Surely you're not finished for the day. And the local guy says, oh yeah, I'm done. And he says, what will you do? He says, I go home, pass the fish around the village, give them to some of the neighbors, keep some for myself, uh, hang out with my kids, play a bit of guitar, have a few beers in the evening. Amazing. And the American guy's just like, looking at him like he's so naive and he's so stupid and everything else. And he goes, well, if you stayed out for the rest of the day, you could catch twice as many fish. And the Brazilian guy's like, why why would I bother? And he goes, well, if you had twice as many fish, you could buy a second boat, hire someone, they could get more fish. He goes, why would I do that? And he goes, well, eventually you could open a plant. And he goes, why would I do that? Well, then you could sell fish all over the world. Why would I do that? And he goes, well, then you could like retire early. You could chill out during the day. You can hang out with your kids. You can have a few beers, play a bit of guitar. And the penny drops and he's just like, Everything he wanted is much closer to him than he thinks it is. But most people are chasing and chasing and chasing. That was my experience, at least. Wow. Jiu-jitsu, meditation, these things that make me happy are on my doorstep. They don't cost very much. Mm. And I ran all over the world. Yeah. Metaphorically and, and in reality. Yes. Um, trying to find something, but yeah. it's there for most Amazing. of us. Do you know what? And you're lucky that you found it on your only time you won. You know what I mean? Some people are like 65 and the penny is only dropping. Then they're like fuck and they've got like what you know 20 years max like left have you i don't know if you some if people never find it yeah i don't know if you're the the same but i've always felt older than i am as in when i'm no pat i feel a lot younger <laughs> than i am <laughs> in one way but when i was 18 i quit jiu like i quit jiu-jitsu when i was 18 yeah this was back in 2006 my mind is blown by the fact that you don't i wasn't any that good. young yeah um it's <laughs> crazy this is 2006 and um, I quit because I decided at 18, mm. I was too old to be a white belt. 
there probably was only a handful of blue and purple. I think Gunnar Nelson was a purple belt maybe at the time or whatever. Um, I decided I'm too old. And then at 25, I looked back and I was like, shit, if I kept going at 18, yeah. I'd be a black belt by now. But I'm too old, definitely now at 25. And then 28, I was like, too old compared to what? It's just compared yeah. to other people. Someone said to me, you'll never be as young as how you are, how, how old you are today. Mm. So there's no point complaining like that. I didn't find my life purpose until 20 or 30 or 40, or 50 or yeah. 60. Today's a day and you'll never be as young as you are today as you yeah. listen to this. Um, and so, yeah. Amazing. What are you reading? Um, <laughs> I'm reading a book about Timothy Leary. I don't know if you know Timothy no, Leary. No, I don't. No. Uh, Timothy Leary was responsible for the psychedelic culture in the states perfect <laughs> in the 60s give me your opinion on ayahuasca the, 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 the book <laughs> my is, favorite topic the, bo- the book is called um oh I, t- actually my brother i do know my brother was telling me about this guy go on anyway there's, uh, there's a great documentary on netflix called dying to know and then the book is called i've got america surrounded so oh, he's, a, he's an interesting one very um, cool so i'm reading that and what else am i reading Oh, are you thinking about dabbling into the little world of psychedelics? We'll save that for another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the podcast that's on after 9 p.m. <laughs> that's, for, that's for your Patreon when you get a Patreon <laughs> bonus material. Um, no, I, I found a guy called, uh, so there's Timothy Leary and Ram Dass. They're, it's a really interesting yeah. story. Um, the two guys were Harvard uh, professors in the 60s. Um, they started working with magic mushrooms and giving them to the undergraduates. Both of them got expelled from or kicked out of co- the as they were the first guys to get fired from Harvard since Wa- Ralph Waldo em- Emerson, I think his name. Um, and they went two di- very different routes. So Timothy Leary became the face of psychedelics and mm. was like hanging out with uh, this. This podcast has taken an interest. In <laughs> 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 this, is, this is why I don't do questions because like, like it goes on many different turns. <laughs> Tim- Timothy Leary went and started hanging out with Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles yeah. and all these guys. Ram Dass was, well, he was um, Albert, I can't remember his surname now. Um, anyway, he went a different route and he said, okay, I've taken mushrooms and all this stuff. It's brought me to this point, but I want to figure out how I can do that without ever having to take them again. So he went to India and started meditating wow. and has spent his life meditating since. Timothy Leary died a couple of years back. Ram is, is really sick now. I was actually supposed to have a call with him, which I was really excited for. No but, way. Um, what? Yeah. Um, You're kidding me. I just chanced my arm and I contacted him and, and I was supposed to have a, a Skype with him, but he's really ill now. But um, but the two guys came back together for this documentary. Like they had had, they'd kind of fallen out when Timothy Leary became the party guy and the other guy mm. the meditator. And they came back together then at the end of their lives to like celebrate the life they'd had together in the wow. event. It's really cool. Dying to know it's on Netflix. Where, it's on Netflix. Mm. It's on there now. Yeah. It's, I think it's on YouTube as well. I'm going to write that down. It's really write that down right now, Pat <laughs> Dying to know. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm reading that. I'm trying to think. I think I was reading something else. I'm not great at reading. I used to be a lot better. I, I'm My attention span is not what it should be. I, yeah, I, well, that's an interesting thing that you say there, right? Because I've noticed and I'm convinced that it's because I spend so much time on social media yeah, for work. 100%, yeah. That when I go to read a book, like I could read two chapters and then go, what did I just read there? And I have to go back. So it takes me, you know, and I could have six books on the go. I'm like, look, if I read the goddamn things, that's okay for me. You know what yeah. I mean? So I find podcasts really good, especially this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I find podcasts good. Like Shane, you- please write that check for Pat <laughs> <laughs> Um For example, James Clear brought out a book last year called Atomic Habits. It's really good in terms right. of habitual change. But the Sorry, book- I'm making a note of all of this right now. Well, what is this called? J- James Clear. 
Okay, go for it, yeah. Uh, atomic Habits, How to Make and Break Habits. He's a really interesting guy and he's, he's big on the kind of idea that a couple of small changes have a massive effect over time. Yeah. But um, that book is about nine hours on audiobook if you listen to it. But he's done a bunch of talks that are on YouTube, which are about 40 minutes long. And I find when you find the author, find the talk on YouTube, it's yeah. 40 minutes. You get the essence of it. Mm-hmm. You don't pick up a lot more from the book, in my experience. So he's yeah. got a couple of 40 minute talks, so... I tend to go with the podcast route or the YouTube. Do you have a uh, book or books that were, you know, are your all time faves or, or ones yeah. that you're like, you go back to time and time again or that you learned the most from? There's one called The Strangest Secret. So that was by a guy called Earl Nightingale back in the 1950s. Mm. Um, that's my favorite book ever. He's my imaginary granddad. Yeah. Uh, have you ever listened to his all his stuff on YouTube with his voice and stuff? It's I the bought, most crazy, creepy, amazing. I like, bought a record player and the records just to have just for Earl. Over yeah, I just, he's my hero. Um, so he kind of founded the personal development industry. Yeah. Um, I like that one. Um, you know what? My 20s was all about books and, and, and it's great to read books. Obviously, um, <laughs> it's good to be smart. It's good to have good. What is it? Smarter. It's, it's, it's good to have biceps. But bi- no, it's good to be smart, but biceps are more important. Um, importanter. Importanter. Um, I went to a retreat a couple of years ago for nine days. And at that time, I was going doing all these courses, seminars, mm. reading the books, doing. I was obsessed with learning. But one of the things that I think was happening was I had everyone else on a pedestal thinking they all have the answers to my problems. And I went to this retreat and it was expensive for the nine days. And the guy handed us a journal and he said, today, you're going to go and write about your fears. And we Mm. were pretty much left to our own devices. And I'm thinking this guy's after charging me a fortune to write in a notebook. But nine days later, I had written like a full notebook and I learned more about myself in a week than I had from 10 years of reading books. So I think it's good to find the balance of reading other people's stuff and consuming yeah. other people's stuff, but also whatever means you have for like creating your own Absolutely. stuff. Because um, you can read Richard Ban- Branson's book about business, but how does that apply to you? So yeah. a, good, a good way to read for anyone who's particularly into business on the podcast is read until you see something that makes sense to you yeah. and then close the book. There's no point reading a business book with 100 ideas and not implementing any of them. Yes. So yeah. pick one and then you ask, it's called like read to revelations. So once you have the revelation, close the book, open a journal. How does that apply to me? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Brilliant. Because you see Ty Lopez and these guys over the years. I don't know if you came across that guy on YouTube. No, no, no. His whole thing was a book a day. I read a book a day. And he became huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can only, it's, it, it's again, jiu-jitsu is probably a good example of it. People come to jiu-jitsu. We all do it. And we're like, how do I get, you pull the coach aside and mm. you're like, any suggestions on how I can get better? And he's like, yeah, just keep coming to jujitsu. Like yes. there's a saturation point that you can't, you mm. can't get any better. You know, you, if you're training twice a day or you're training six, whatever, six sessions a week, that's kind of as much as you're going to manage. Yes. Um, you're not going to get any better. Maybe watch a bit of YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And books are the same. Like thinking mm. you're a 21 year old, and this is me talking to myself or a 31 year old or whatever, that I can read every book under the sun for the next year. And that makes me a more intelligent person. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't that's know interesting that you mentioned that because, when I broke my ankle in jiu-jitsu. Hmm. Um, when I went back, quit, I had like... You should quit that jiu-jitsu. <laughs> we should quit that old jiu-jitsu. But I had, you know, uh, a well-documented, like, t- absolute fear of going back. I wanted to, I wanted to train, but I was so scared when I finally got onto the mats and when I would spar, roll people, people I trusted, I knew they weren't going to hurt me. Um, 
I just I was so scared that my ankle was going to break and I remember sitting down with my coach Dara and I was like you know I'm having all these like anxiety and I can't turn up and like I'm worried that I'm never going to get better and like oh I have this forever and I went on this big rant you know tears in my eyes and he just sat there saying nothing like just looking straight in my eyes and then I was like what'll I do and he was just like just keep training just keep coming yeah and I was like what I was like no I need some kind of grand like you will do this and then you will feel this and you know and then you will go to a sports psychologist and you know totally she was just like just have to keep coming Lydia just stop fucking thinking about it and train yeah like fuck right okay it's that easy and then after you know a couple months there was a new because I had overcome that yeah I was mentally stronger in training I was like, I'm gonna fucking kill you, so you know. I was like, that's the way it was, you know. And yeah. then you get killed, and then you Dif- restart the circle o- all over again. Different levels, different devils. Yeah. So you think you've gotten yeah, through yeah, something, yeah. even like on the <laughs> mental side of things. You're like, oh, I've overcame fear, and then like six months later, I was yeah. like, I'd be laughing. I was like, <laughs> I do a talk for a thousand people, and everything's good, and then I go to my local post office, and I have like a panic attack talking <laughs> to one of my neighbors. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, how would you like to be remembered? Um, someone honest. Uh, yeah, someone honest. That that's kind of it, really. That who I, this might sound daft, but if if I died today, yeah. I would. I that that'd be okay with me in terms of like I want to live forever. <laughs> but like, but every every and it's the conscious thing. Everybody that I know that mm. needs to know how I feel about them knows how I feel about them because I've said it, and I. I think I've expressed myself publicly, so there's yes. enough there's enough of my chat out there to keep people going. Um, there's errors and errors on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> so I, look, there's loads of things I'd like to do and everything else, but I I, I like to be remembered just as honest, um, genuine, and uh, did things the way I wanted to do things, yeah. and and um, yeah, accepted himself fully and accepted other people fully, and mm. just had a had a good go at it. When you say that you've let people, if you went tomorrow and you've let people know how you feel about them, was that something that was a conscious thing that you took on that you decided, you know, I'm going to tell people how I feel about them or is it just something that you implement every day where you kind of are really open yeah, I, I think people think I'm daft because I just kind of no, say things. Not, no, I, no, see, I love this type of stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? There's a, there's a handful of people that I, I kind of felt like, right, I, I didn't end things with those people the way I should have ended things. So yes. I want to go back and I want to resolve it. Um yeah, just so I that's don't. That's interesting. Yeah, look, I don't know if that's the right way of doing things or not the right way of doing things. Well, just going off what my therapist tells me <laughs> is that there's a really good process. I don't know what the actual term oh, it's on for, it is. It's from 12 steps. Is it uh, go and apologize unless it's going to do more harm than good? Well, is that, that is one as well, but it's also write a letter with everything. Um, it can be implemented for like writing a letter to your younger self or if there was a stage in your life where there was particular trauma sure. and then also if uh, someone done you wrong in terms of relationship or if you done someone wrong you write it all out exactly what you say to them the good the bad everything and then you burn the letter and you watch the letter burn mm. so it's kind of like you've got it out and now you're releasing it yeah. you know so yeah. that uh, there's a name on it I can't um, I can't remember it but uh I think coming back to it, I, I the way I live day to day is probably, and that's evolved yeah. over time. I took off all the masks because when when mm. you, when you fail with everything and you're at your lowest point, yeah, there's no room for masks yeah. anymore. You just kind of you just kind of say, look, I just. But it's so interesting that you say that, right? Because I find that when I 
not admit defeat because it's not a defeat but I remember when because I I was in a band for most of my 20s and when the band ended it ended like I don't know if you know Fleetwood Mac but it was pretty much okay. like Fleetwood Mac or Oasis it, it imploded you okay. know when we broke up and I didn't speak to a lot of the the guys that I was in the band with for, for many years and then when people would say to me like oh you know what happened or blah blah and I was like well I was an asshole okay and when I admitted that to myself and to other people, it was like a kind of, yeah, you kind of get free on that. You know what I mean? Or if you admit in times in your life where you done people wrong or you made a mistake or you misjudged a situation when you own up to it, yep. there's like a certain freedom in it, you know, where you don't have, you just feel lighter after it, you know? Mm. So it's very interesting that you say that. There's an old expression of what you resist will persist. Yes. And it's the same idea. Mm. If, I, if I resist certain emotions, if I resist certain thoughts, if I resist uh, resolving certain issues, yeah. if I resist something I'm afraid of, if you don't tackle your fears, your fears mm. chase you down for the Absolutely. rest of your life because they don't just disappear. Yeah. Do you think a certain amount of fear is good? Because um, there is, some people have a theory that fear is recognising um growth or that it's the kind of the 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 step towards growth yeah it's into oh, i like to have no again. fear <laughs> you know uh, i like fear is there's good fear there's like there's a, good fear i've been and, scared every step of the way I yeah. Think. yeah 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 jujitsu competitions yes and that's more intimidating to me than anything the yeah. competitions yes um, yes 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 w at what point in jujitsu competition does your fear leave you because i have a very after the first match always after the first match really yeah, yeah i'm yeah. mine is um like I'm shitting myself right up to standing on the side of that, waiting for the referee to call you out onto yeah. the tatami. Yeah. Um, but that point where I'm like, I get the, what are you doing? Turn around, run, 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 run. I get that. And then as soon as he calls you out, it goes. And then it's just like, it's fight or flight. And there you go. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I suppose the first match you're, you're in the in the flow of things. And then... I never get past the first match. I always lose. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I mean, but comp jiu-jitsu competition is a different animal as well, right? Because it's very easy for you to to compete in, or to train jiu-jitsu or train any martial art or combat sports, but to actually compete in it, that's when you really have to mm. face yourself, I suppose. Yeah, I think I've done I've done a lot of comp I've done probably fifteen competitions in the yeah. last. I've probably overdone it, but we went to Europeans. Myself, Ben, Indra. Um, Calum Calum's like an animal Calum trains with us Calum Ruan I he, don't know him. He's unbelievable No way Oh he's the best He's the most Coolest kid I know I'm gonna Because Ben and Indra Always say to me You need to come up You need to like Get the girls and come up Like the girls that are in gym In our gym Come up and train So we Cal definitely have to go up Calum's the one to watch He's Amazing. out in Thailand Training at the moment But he's Again he's like 22, 23 And he like He messaged me sometimes He listens to my podcast And he doesn't realise That I learned more from him Than, yeah. than he learns from me yeah. And uh, it was funny He asked I think he asked at one point To do a podcast On a beginner's mindset or something. Yeah. I don't know. What did he ask about? How to, I don't know, how to achieve more success. He had some question. Mm -hmm. And I said, when I, when I started the podcast, I said, it's funny, the guy that asked this question has got the mindset for, because he's asking questions. Mm -hmm. And he, he, to me, he's one of the most naturally talented. Well, I shouldn't say naturally talented. He's, he's a hard worker and he's a talent, um, but he's still asking questions and he's completely open to learning from everyone. Amazing. And all. he's got the right mindset. Mm -hmm. And he knows that he needs to show up to get better and it doesn't happen by accident. And he has all yeah. this sussed at a young age. So he's amazing. It's enough compliments for Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's one to watch. We, uh, 
Shaolin, uh, I'm lucky to be down there. Yeah. Um, Actually, we must mention the gym, unfortunately, yeah. put down. Yeah, yeah, hell. Yeah. It's the worst thing ever. So hopefully, like, everyone is. Yeah, the, everyone's. Everyone such was a safe good gym down there. And yeah. everyone's okay, which is the main thing. It's been cool to see the support that's come in from all over the country. And it, mm. I think it speaks to, like, how people see Ben and Indra. Absolutely. And um, we're a small club, but we've been growing strong. And uh, we have an amazing culture and vibe yeah. down there. Um, for me, it's nice to be around young energy, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's yeah. We're 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 the club to watch the next two yeah. or three years. We're I love this be... point. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is my comfort zone. This is like where I'm comfortable at. Um, but what was it called? There was one last question I wanted to ask you. Oh yes. So we've spoke about how you'd like to be remembered and, and you know. Do you ask everybody this question? Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I ask everyone how they'd like to be remembered. Um, do they believe in life purpose and do they think they're fulfilling this? And I also ask them as well what their definition or their idea of success is. But you kind of answered that already. Mm. So I didn't want to ask. But I'll ask you now. What is what is your definition of success? Um, Personal success. Your, your success. Go, mountaineering um, analogy of it's not getting to the top of the mountain but it's being on the right right mountain and progressively moving toward the top so amazing in other words you know where you're going in life and every day you try to get a step closer and there's yeah. days where you go back and there's days where you go forward but there's never an end line as mm. such you see that with the best jiu-jitsu guys in the world the best business people yeah. in the world the best one at anyone um when people that we recognize that are really famous um, achieve a huge level of success mm. and then don't have anything else to shoot for, the yeah. wheels tend to come off. So we all need that. Um, success is not a destination. It's a journey, as cliche as that might sound. Absolutely. So if the bulk of my week is doing things I enjoy and being around people I enjoy, mm. that's success too. Amazing. What is one common thread that you see amongst all successful people that you've met or experienced? Um, I would say they enjoy what they're doing yeah. um, because... I talk about jiu-jitsu and training six days a week and I talk about doing 500 yeah. talks in a couple of years. If I had done, I don't know, 500 concerts in in that many years, yeah. I would have got better at singing or whatever it was, mm -hmm. but I don't like music, so that wouldn't have been a fun time. <laughs> would, you know, it wouldn't have meant anything to me. Or if I... But you were like, and I'd like to announce the release of my <laughs> debut album. I released the single when I was 18. Shut yeah. the front yeah, door. Yeah, I did a single. I've had an interesting life, I think. Did you actually? Yeah. What? We're, a, going, we're going nowhere. <laughs> Rack it up there. We're staying. It was a drinking song. Um, I used to play guitar and sing. It was a drinking song called What Was I Thinking? Gotta Stop Drinking. Uh, Pat, <laughs> I do believe we have a guitar in the corner oh, of the room. <laughs> I'm left-handed. I can't play it upside down. It's a bunch of power chords, but no, we'll save that for another day. Are you left-handed? So am yeah. I. We burned at the stake a couple hundred years ago. But, but if, if, yeah, if, um, yeah, if I had spent years of my life dedicated six days a week, it's grand to be dead. Like it's great to be dedicated yeah. and put in the practice, but there's no point doing it for something you're not into. Mm. Um, Absolutely. So you could listen to this and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do six days a week of jujitsu. But if you don't like jujitsu, don't waste your time because mm. your life's too short to be, you know, your life's, your life's too short to be fucking around. Absolutely. <laughs> and your life's too, yeah. Time goes by fast. So find something and do it six days a week or seven days a week, but make yeah. sure it's what you like because otherwise you're, wasting your life amazing well what a perfect note to leave our podcast on <laughs> wasting your life everybody <laughs> i hope this wasn't too fluffy I last like... question what's your favorite color <laughs> blue <laughs> oh i do have a last question actually are you spiritual 
Um, oh, would you be spiritual? Religion. I like. Oh, I meant to throw that in. I like doing jujitsu and surfing. <laughs> That's your religion. Um, spiritual. What? Someone give me a good definition of spiritual. Um. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe there's something there. Mm. It's weird. When I was at my lowest point, I was never religious and I was raised Catholic like the rest of us. Absolutely, but um, yeah. when I was really in my lowest points, I found myself in a church mm. just because it was, I don't know why, you know, I was like, just, I'd been everywhere else. I went to a yes. church. The nightclub wasn't working, so I went to a church. <laughs> no, I went, I went during the day and just sat in a church and I don't know why, but I think maybe when, when life gets really, really tough and your heart is still beating yes. and the blood's still going through your body, mm-hmm. you have to believe there's something there. Yeah. Um, Hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Faith in something. Yeah. Um, yeah, your ideas come from somewhere. Your dreams come from somewhere. All that stuff comes mm. from somewhere. There's a bigger purpose or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of an asshole if you say you're spiritual, but <laughs> I believe in something. <laughs> you're actually not. I know, no, I know, some I know. people, are, are, a lot of people are terrified of the word spiritual. But like, I mean, we need to create another word then for it because you like, know, you just interesting. See, I've just, you I've know, just seen interviews for years where people go, "You really just no, but I'm spiritual." It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna catch a wave, man. Go to surf, light, you know? <laughs> light the incense. Um, I do all the things a spiritual person does, I suppose. Well, but this I, I'm is, not this is the thing religion. because the, the 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 conversation, the like how you allude, like how your brain kind of works, is that they're you know that you're aware that we're not you know we're not alone in this journey, but like no, that there's something bigger, or that we're all part of something bigger, or that we're connected in some way. Here's a nice you know? one I heard for spirituality: ninety five percent of spirituality is doing the right thing when no one's watching. Absolutely. Oh, nice yeah, one. that's a really, really so, good one. So now I'm not spiritual at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this thing. Let's wrap this thing up. But listen, uh, tonight, well, this will be out tonight, but um, any of our listeners that want to find out more about Pat Dively, is it patdively.com? Yeah, D-I-B-I-L-L-Y. I'd like you to sing that back. There's a little song in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to going to the show tonight. Thank yeah. you very much Thanks for inviting for me. me. No problem at all. Thank you for coming on. I know you're really busy, so I definitely appreciate it. Um, and yeah, what's coming up actually? Is there anything exciting that you can tell us about? Um, besides I'm, another album? <laughs> I'm to, I, I'm go, oh yeah, I'm going to Tenerife tomorrow for two weeks of jiu-jitsu and oh, surfing. Yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah, Raspberry Ape. And I'm going to I'm going to Thailand for a month and Christmas becoming a yoga teacher. I've done three yoga classes in my life, so that I'll tell you about that next year when I see you. You are not. Are you actually? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're actually going to become a teacher? Just for myself, but I'm doing the teacher Amazing. training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need it. Brilliant. My body's breaking down. And a bunch of seminars and talks and, and retreats, things coming up. And um, that's about it, really. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, kept going. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Well, I wish you all the best. Thank you. And you'll have to come back in next year. I'd love to, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. yeah, we'll have you back. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Pat Dively for the first exchange.